Welcome to a new episode of 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hall. This episode, we will be talking with Jerry Jenkins. Jerry Jenkins directs the Northern Forest Atlas Project and is a researcher for the Wildlife Conservation Society. He is the author of Climate Change in the Adirondacks, the Adirondack Atlas, and co-author of Acid Rain in the Adirondacks. Jerry is the author, photographer, creator, and overall mastermind of two new amazing resources from Comstock Publishing, Woody Plants of the Northern Forest, featured as both a beautiful 10 by 11 photographic guide and also in more portable form as two quick guides, weather-resistant double-sided photographic charts that fold out to 26 by 36 inches. We caught up with Jerry at his home in upstate New York. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to the podcast. And hello, Jonathan, and I'm glad to be here. Well, we're so glad to have you on. And, you know, I'm sitting here with the, the two books uh, that you've produced uh, just come out, Woody Plants of the Northern Forest, a photographic guide, as well as the quick guides, the two uh, fold-out charts. These charts, they're just absolutely beautiful um, and obviously incredibly useful in the field. I've never seen a presentation of botany and uh, uh, leaves and buds in, in, done in such an elegant manner. It's, it's truly a work of art, and uh, I'm really impressed. The, the moment our editor, Kitty, brought them in, I, I was just um, awestruck at the, the, the beauty uh, and the amount of, I can't even imagine the amount of time you've put into this. So I wanted to just talk with you uh, a bit and see uh, how this came about and learn more about your work with the Northern Forest Atlas Foundation and just kind of an overall genesis of, of how this project came about. Good. Well, here's here's a story. Uh, seven years ago, I'm 66 years old at that point. Uh, I've been involved in doing conservation, biological conservation, for all my adult life. It's a very fortunate career hundreds of thousands of acres of survey work of lands that either are were conserved or uh, were possibly going to go into conservation. Lots and lots of work in resource geography. So, you know, books on the Adirondacks and on climate change and on acid rain. Uh, and that had been a wonderful career. And I said, well, okay, well, you know, here I am. Uh, with luck, I've got a decade or two more of good work in me, what do I really want to do? Uh, I was actually giving a lecture at the, the time and I said, well, you know, I've, I've been so fortunate to learn, I and my generation and colleagues, really my way around the, bio the biology and the ecology of the North Woods. I want to make some books that other people can use. That is, I want to start thinking about the next generation and uh, I want to try to do new kinds of field guides and new kinds of graphical work for the people that are going to come along and want to know the forests. Well, you've, you've clearly achieved your mission uh, with these guides. Um, tell us, you know, your, your initial work with the Northern Forest Atlas Foundation and how that got started. Also, also a good story. Uh, you know, I am Again, it's 2011. I am giving a lecture talking about 
talking about conservation in the Adirondacks and what's going on, and and I have a friend in the audience uh, who's a man who had done very well running businesses, also a, uh, a pilot, a builder of planes, an adventurer with ocean crossings, far northern trips, all kinds of things to his credit. He's in the audience, and I say, well, you know, I want to put down what I know and get it into books. And he says afterwards, uh, it's going to take a million or $2 million. We're going to need to create a foundation. So the first thing you have to do is write a business plan and then I'll start to work on it. <laughs> and it was that simple. And I was, I was floored because, you know, I had never considered what it would really take to make these things happen. So over the next two years, we create a business plan. We, talk to people, we develop a small pool of donors, uh, we get a board, and the Northern Forest Atlas Foundation was created, it's also created to prevent me from ever retiring, I think, but <laughs> as, uh, as a sort of a single purpose foundation with the, with the goal of funding new natural history works on the Northern Forest, and just one sentence for me, that's a uh, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing I can show you much better on maps, but start in Nova Scotia and just head west until you hit the prairie edge in Minnesota or Ontario. And for all of that stretch, you're in, it's one of the most continuous bands of, of temperate forest in the planet. And so because a book that will work in uh, the forests of Minnesota will also work pretty well in Nova Scotia, we said, okay, that's a very natural area to to talk about. It's it's amazing, yeah. The, you had mentioned the 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 swath of, of area in in the book. It shows it's a it's like a satellite photo of just a massive amount of land that it, that uh, this northern forest region takes up. Do you do you know offhand how many square kilometers or square miles that that whole region is? I don't. I don't because I haven't thought of it in exact boundaries. You know, I, it, it's, it's not as if you can uh, come to a, you know, come to a point and say, well, except the prairie or the ocean here, we're, we're at the end of the forest. But it's the better part. It's the better part of a thousand miles. And if you look at maps, satellite imagery of North America that show the sort of density of biomass, how much wood there is in the forest, it is the largest remaining area of sort of continuous forest biomass in the country and, and one of the largest in the world. Uh, to the north of it in the boreal, there has been very heavy logging. To the south of it, the forests have all been changed into corn and soybeans. And in addition, as you know, with your work with climate change, uh, the the environment is, is slowly evolving. I've, I'm hearing stories of you know the the maple trees moving more uh, northward and, and diseases and and uh, pests that traditionally weren't in the northern forests are now because of the warming temperatures are now making a sizable impact on the on the ecosystem. You know I can't I can't make predictions. Climate change is happening. Uh, it is scary, but forest temperate forests have been around for thirty million years and they've seen a lot of changes in the world at that time. 
So I, I have some friends whose research has really impressed them with the resilience of these forests. I have other friends, especially those dealing with pests, pests and pathogens, whose work has impressed them about the vulnerability of the forests. I simply don't know, but I do have, I do have a secret agenda in these books. Uh, you know, I mean, I sort of said explicitly in the climate change book I did for you what I was going to say about climate change. But we all talk about biodiversity. We worry about biodiversity. But my thought was that to to talk about to make present the risks that we face from climate change and from other things, it would be very good for people just to be able to see how much is in the forest. And there had never been books with color pictures of all the sedges or all the woody plants or all the mosses. So besides making things useful, I mean, this is where the beauty you spoke of comes in. There are all these extraordinarily beautiful, I'm writing about plants, but plants and animals in this region, uh, they're all in some sense or another at, at risk. And we felt that if we could just show people what it means that the forest is full of treasures, uh, that that in itself would be a very important message. And that is one certainly that our board is very supportive of. You said that the, the forest is full of treasures. Um, it's also full of, of I, I, it feels like, and maybe you can relate to this, that they feel like friends. Uh, you know, I grew up in the area and, um, you know, spent a lot of time in the woods and just seeing these leaves isolated and, and they're almost like portraits uh, of the, the, the tree. And, you know, I've, you know, I, you know, if I go into a hemlock grove, there's a, just a magic that I feel, whether it's in the summer or even in the winter, cross-country skiing, that it's like, oh, here are my friends. Uh, same with oak trees or maples. Just they all have a, a kind of a evocative face. And, and, and each of these portraits of the leaves, it's, it's like seeing their, their faces. And, oh, I remember you. And, and I didn't know about you. I never heard of, you know, Moro's honeysuckle. You know, I didn't know, that, I didn't know your name. And so it's really, it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's a very, um, it's a very pleasing experience going through your book, these guides, um, and seeing the leaves, but on top of it, being able to see the trees throughout their life cycle with the seasons. And, and it's fantastic. You have all the buds and what the buds look like. So it, it's just so comprehensive. It's such an impressive uh, project that you've taken on. And this is just the woody plants. I mean, you have so many, you're, you're working on uh, additional projects as well. Yeah, and to speak to, to speak to that friendship, you know, both as a practical matter, but also as for, you know, for the working naturalist, ecologist, all these creatures, uh, you know, we may know hundreds, thousands of animals and plants and over our lifetimes, we get to know them better and better to, you know, we, we know their habits, where to look for them. Uh, we know them in different seasons. And this becomes, you know, an extraordinarily vivid sense of, you know, friendship is a good word, sense of presence, connection, witness, whatever words you use. But it makes the, it makes the living world very vivid and personally important 
important. You know, politically, one of the greatest things that worries me is that um, we are governed by lots and lots of people who are almost never alone and certainly almost never in the woods alone. And uh, I would like political message. I would like more of the decisions of, that affect the future of our planet to be made by people who have been in the woods a lot and have these kind of friends. I can only I can only agree with that. There's no replacement for actually being in the forest and and seeing uh, the living environment and interacting with the living environment. With these with these guides, the the photographic guide, which is a which is a large uh, format, ten by eleven, and then these more portable guides. Um, who who are you? Uh, envisioning using these guides? What, who are some of the, the people you'd like uh, this, these um, materials to get into their hands? This is going to sound funny, but the first person I envision is myself, because, or my younger self, because I'm trying to think about what, I would, what would have helped me most in my, my learning days and also which, what would have become just simply a companion, like, you know, my table's covered with books that I've used for years here as I work. So I try to think, I try to think of, of what people will be need, need and useful to them. I don't try to anticipate exactly who the people are, you know, in other words, how professional they are, at what level of their education, you know, one might be an eight-year-old, one might be an 80-year-old. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, as long as they can, as long as they can become useful, I'm very happy with that. In a sense, I, I conceive of two kinds of use. Uh, one is the people who are actually involved in finding things, putting names on them, going out to a place saying, I will learn all the trees here. The other is people who simply want a display of what is there. That is, they may not want to name sedges, but they find the sedges beautiful or interesting. They would just like to simply have a book of them. And I compare that to myself. I have books on bats and I have books on beetles and I have books on all kinds of things that I don't actually study that much. But it really pleases me to look through them and read about them and just simply see the pictures. So I, I see both of those uses. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a real gift to everyone that you put all this time uh, and effort into creating these guides using the wisdom that you have now and, and us benefiting from, from your wisdom. And the, looking at the, this quick guide, it's, again, I was, you know, as I mentioned before, I still can't get over the, the beauty of it, but the, this, the, the usefulness of, the, of these guides and also the, the actual material of these, um, of these quick guides, these charts, I was talking to our production department, and it was a material I think they called Nanya. It's a synthetic paper, um, and it's, I wouldn't say it's indestructible, but it's certainly very resilient. It's uh, water resistant, and the, the people at the, the, the paper company were saying that, um, <laughs> that you could make a tent out of it. I mean, they were, they were exaggerating, but that uh, if you're in the forest... Uh, you could potentially uh, use these as, as a shelter. <laughs> and I, I doubt that people are going to do that. I'm, it's exaggerating. But it just shows that these, these, are, these are products that are going to last a long time and that they're, they're resilient, that if you're in the woods and 
it ra get rained on or it snows on the chart, not a problem. You'll have the chart for many years to come. Well, and, and you know, uh, on your side of on your side of things, Bill Oates and Kitty Lou spent a lot of time trying out materials, testing them, talking to different possible printers and so on before we came up with that. You know, if I might, though, go back a couple of your sentences because something something you said is to me very important. You know, uh, I I conceive science very much as a business of learning stuff, but then passing it on. And, you know, while I didn't have colored things like this, I had wonderful, wonderful books from previous generations of naturalists. I, you know, I had the classic books that were available as a kid in the 1950s, as a, as a student in the 1960s and 70s. And in a certain sense, you know, what I'm trying to do here is not only to pass on what I know, but to keep this tradition going, to take the things that I learned from other people's books, to take these kind of incredible modern ways of photographing, visualizing, illustrating things that we have that they didn't have, and just simply bring that knowledge into a new form. So I'm very much trying to stand within a tradition of science and natural history, and not only make sure that something that I know gets to the next generation, but that something that Schuyler Matthews knew in 1900, that Peterson knew in 1930, and so on, gets passed on. Yes, that, so as you were saying, uh, you mentioned that in, in the uh, opening uh, paragraphs in the book that you say 60 years ago, Roger Torrey Peterson, George Petretti's, and George Simmons led the way. And now, thanks to technology um, and your, your insights and um, hard work and wisdom, now there's a new, new resource for naturalists. And so perhaps... 60 years from now, someone writing a new book will include you with those legendary figures. It's very nice to think that if you can do something useful, that, you know, that usefulness in some way has a life of its own. Definitely, definitely. Well, you've, you've created some very, very useful resources for, for naturalists, and we're, we're very proud to be a part of this this project you project of yours, and um, we we think that you have many you you will put a smile on many people's faces uh, with your photographic guide and the quick guide. So, congratulations um, on this this fantastic work that you've produced. Well, and you know I'm about to turn over the draft for next year's book, which will be on sedges, to. Uh, to your editorial staff so that is in the pipeline and this summer we we nearly have finished but we're working on finishing up the draft of mosses for the year after that so uh, very soon I think there will be you know several of these sitting on the table well, we very much look forward to them they're they're as I mentioned earlier works of art beautiful and useful so these additional projects coming the way uh, we very much look forward to them and extremely confident that naturalists, uh, nature lovers, uh, teachers will, will, will eat these up, that these, these will be um, treasured guides and resources for, for decades to come. So, so thank you for all your hard work and uh, thank you again for coming on to the podcast. It was, it was a pleasure talking with you, Jerry. 
And it is a pleasure. And I, I would just add in conclusion that the Comstock imprint from Cornell University Press is one of the most honored and dignified uh, in the history of natural history publications. And I'm just very delighted to see it on the back of my book. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. The feeling's mutual. We're, ha we're happy to and honored to have you as, as one of our top authors. So thank you very much. Well, it was very much a pleasure having you on the podcast, Jerry. And uh, thank you so much for all the hard work you put into these fantastic resources. And thank you and all of your staff there, John. Thank you, Jerry. Look forward to talking with you again soon. That was Jerry Jenkins, author and photographer of The New Guides, Woody Plants of the Northern Forest. As a loyal listener to the podcast, we would like to offer you a special 30% discount to purchase these items on our website. Please visit us at cornellpress.cornell.edu and use the promotion code 09POD at checkout. Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. 